10 minutes ago, my normal light that lights me, the bulb blew. So I'm going to get a new bulb. So I've got a bulb out of the um, shed and it's like 15 watts. It's like for an oven. <laughs> so it's really <laughs> dim. Well, I was going to say you look quite dark. I look sick. I look jaundiced. <laughs> this is Sheer Isolation. It's presented by Kieran Moore in Trowbridge and John Ponting in Cricklade. Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining us. This is Sheer Isolation. I am John in Cricklade and Kieran is over in Trowbridge. Hello to Kieran. Hello, John. Um, we've got a cracking guest lined up, a, a one-woman show actress. Uh, even though I work with her, I actually don't know her surname. <laughs> we had like this really problem last Florence Espute Nicholas. I'm not sure if that's, that's a it. Pre- precise pronunciation. Espute, that's it, Espute Nicholas. So she is born and raised Wiltshire. Uh, I think she was uh, went to school in Chippenham, grew up and went to school in Chippenham, went to college in Trowbridge. She is an actress, darling. She's a thespian. And she did a one-woman show, as you pointed out, uh, which had a critical acclaim across the whole of this area, sold out all of the venues that it performed in. I've got the biggest respect to anybody who can stand on a stage and just do like a 90-minute monologue. It, incredible brain capacity to remember that much content. Yeah, I mean, I think in this particular instance, I think it helps because some of it is semi-biographical and some of it is based on other people. So the story itself is like of one person going through one experience. But in reality, it was lots of people having various experiences that she's kind of amalgamated down to a snapshot of what it's like to live in, in this area and the things that go with that. OK, time for a track. I get to pick the track this week. And uh, you may have seen in the news about because all the supermarkets and the, and the big uh, high street stores are doing their Christmas ad campaigns and all over the telly, they spend loads of money doing their Christmas ads. John Lewis have got their track out and, and they've used in the background kind of a melodic, slow version of Together in Electric Dreams. I can't remember who the original artist was, Kieran. Can you help me on that? Oh, uh, Electric Dreams was... Uh, oh, we'll, come, we'll come back to that. Well, Kieran's good. I do know it. Is it Soft Cell? No. A, a, a folk duo called yeah. The Portraits hit the news a bit this week um, when, when they said that they had released a very similar sounding version of that song last year and they'd sent it to John Lewis as uh, to say, would you like to use this in a Christmas track? And they didn't hear back. And now this alternative version is being used in their Christmas ads. So uh, although Jeremy Ooh. and Lorraine Millington, uh, although they've kind of taken it with far more um, dignity than I, I probably would if I was in that situation, they, they said, it's fine. We did it as a charity single. We're not looking for, we're not doing it for the money or the fame or anything like that. But it's just, it's a, just an, an annoyance more than anything else. The, their fans have, have taken the other route and they've been a bit, bit more campaigny about the whole thing. Yeah. But the reason we're talking about these guys is because um, they're based in Wells. Um, they did play at Treefest for me about five, six years ago. I've not spoken to them since, but obviously I know they've still been working their way around the music scene. And it's just quite an interesting topic because it's all very well plagiarising someone else's song. But where do you stand if you've done a similar sounding version of an already existing song? Yeah, because it's not because the, the original material isn't yours in the first place to protect it's just your style of someone else's song so i, I don't know legally yeah. it, it's an interesting one to think about it is that is really that's an interesting question john and i don't know the answer to it i'm not going to play that particular track because um it's been on the uh, very similar one's been on the advert so you probably see but i'm going to play a tune from uh, 2015 from the portraits this track is walls of silence <laughs> Came, our soul took the city by storm. 
that was the plan writ large across my sky. With my army of culture conquer, here you conquer them all. So I was told, and reality's gone by. But now I sit in a cell of anonymity, in four grey walls of silence. Never mind the semi. Good choice, John. Well done. Oh, I thank you. Yeah, so that was Walls of Silence by The Portraits. So they're a duo. They're based in Wales. They've been on the folk scene for, for many, many years now. And yeah, they, they hit the news when they pointed out that John Lewis's Christmas tune track is very similar to one that they released last year. John Lewis did comment on it to say um, that the person that The Portraits contacted earlier this year had since left John Lewis and they weren't aware of the email correspondence. Really? How convenient. That, that's, the, that's their official line on it. All the major chains, they get the young kids in from university, go make us this hot branding, this hot new style. Those kids go and look at what's fashionable at the time of all the bespoke independent people, tweak it slightly, and it becomes the new chain lines. Yeah. It happens all the time. Well, the, the guest we had on a couple of months ago, Jess Bradley, who's the uh, artist who, who's yeah. got her own book range coming out um, yeah. and does stuff for, for Bino and that. She's she's had um, multiple instances of her artwork just appearing randomly in, in other places and not knowing how it got there. Yeah. It's difficult how, one yeah. to keep track of, isn't it? Well, it is difficult because obviously they're not crediting you on purpose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Product placement time, is it? It is. Go with it because oh. this week, John, it's you with product placement. It is, and I am product placing this little EP here from Sarah Larkham. Now, Sarah has been a guest on, on the show before with, uh, with her husband and Larkham and Hall, Elliot Hall, talking from their narrowboat. We need to get another guest from a narrowboat because we haven't had one for a while. 
Well, how about we get the Fly Yeti Fly come on? Because they sold out the pump in like 30 seconds. So they'd be a good one. Wonderful. But yeah, so Sarah Larkin, this EP, she launched officially last weekend on Sunday. She had an official launch party. It's called Heavenly. And this is the first time she's actually recorded solo material. So she's done stuff with Larkin Hall. She's done stuff with uh, Coyote Blue. But uh, of all the years that she's been songwriting, this is her very first EP. So it's seven track. Uh, we played one of her tracks a few weeks ago, which was uh, called Daddy. Uh, but this, uh, the whole EP is called Heavenly. And you can um, find it by uh, searching her out, Sarah Larkin. She's got plenty of copies left. She's happy to sign them and uh, send them on to you. Nice. Look out for it. It was a lovely night. It was, a, we, it was in the top room at the Hen and Chicken in Bristol, where Sarah also um, does um, acoustic, like a monthly open mic style, style folk night. Lovely. And yeah, it was, there was easily 100 people turned up for that event. It was oh, really well nice. supported. Really well supported. Oh, lovely. It's uh, time for us to introduce this week's guest, who is... Uh, Flo Esput-Nicholas, who is a, uh, an actor. Um, well, you, you, you know a far more than me, Karen, so uh, do a quick intro for the interview, please. Flo is here to talk about being born and raised in Wiltshire, what that means to her and where she, how she is taking that voice to the wider world through the medium of uh, theatre and soon-to-be TV. I have met you through Trowbridge Town Hall, who mm-hmm. you did your one-woman show there earlier this year give us a quick brief outline of who you are and who what that show was and what it was about and then sort of tie it in with all the different things that it actually is tied in with so I'm um, an actor and a writer so I'm from Chippenham I grew up there um, on a council estate and called Hill Rise I went to college in Trowbridge so when I was like 16 I came to Wiltshire College and like to study performing arts I had quite a tricky time at secondary school. I like got excluded in year 10 um, and like struggled in that environment. And then I was like encouraged yeah, to go to college to do performing arts to like try and start a career in like theatre in performance. So yeah, so I sort of I went off to uni and drama school and stuff, but I always like wrote alongside acting. But I'd never written a play before, so I wrote kind of like spoken word poetry, stand-up comedy, performed that a little bit. And then after drama school, like I had a bit more time and I like felt like I wanted to try to write a play. I felt frustrated, I guess, like when I was training and like getting into theatre and going to watch stuff that I didn't feel like my kind of experiences and like my community the community I grew up in was like represented within theatre it felt like it was dominated by like middle class voices and middle class like narratives and that wasn't like my experience growing up and then when I did start sort of seeing um yeah more like stories centered around like working class communities Um, working class characters it was always from like a very urban perspective so they were like usually set in cities which is obviously like that's really great that those stories are being told but that was very different to like my experience so that was like what the play my one woman show which is called destiny that was like what that kind of came out of so it's about a teenage girl growing up on that estate in Chippenham and the kind of different challenges she faces along the way, um, how she kind of gets stuck in the system and isn't supported by like society and by the authorities in the way that she should be. Um, But it's like an aspirational story as well. Like it's a story of like 
hope and ambition and determination. She dreams of, of becoming a backing dancer. So she's really into like MTV bass, R&B, rap. It's set in the mid noughties, like when I was a teenager. So that she's got that like ambition, that dream, that drive, which kind of like pulls her through all of these different difficult things that she goes through in her life. Was Destiny, is that your first show that you've written as a for theatre production? Yeah, so that's the first play. Yeah, the first play I've written was Destiny. Before that, I was like, was working as an actor. So I performed in like other company shows and like auditioned. So yeah, this is my first play. And so, because I mean, obviously I've seen it and, and I've just mm-hmm. actually, when you were just going through, you know, some of the things, I was getting goosebumps. I was remembering the show because mm-hmm. it was incredibly powerful. You're absolutely right. You know, that, that voice or that talk, sort of voice isn't reflected in theatre at all you're absolutely right mm-hmm. it's a middle class almost exclusive it was quite exclusive mm-hmm. isn't it and yeah. you really did bring it back down to roots level which I absolutely loved and you you performed it quite a lot in the area didn't you because you did caution you did a few other local theatres and they all sold out didn't they yeah we toured it like um in the summer so mostly in the southwest and yeah it was like really well received like we got good audiences in it was at a time like when theatres were sort of just starting up again like with limited capacity and stuff so yeah it was in a bit of a like uncertain time in that sense but yeah the response was like really really lush um we opened the show in Bristol and then we did like some dates in Wiltshire um in Gloucestershire and then we took the show to London in the summer. Again, like it was really like well received and it's going to tour tour again next year. We're just like planning to take it to Edinburgh, hopefully. So hopefully Amazing. Yeah, and there's been like a lot of interest since the tour, like people wanting to book it, which is really That's amazing. Fantastic. And is there any other, anything else happening with it? Is there an adaptation or anything happening? I'm working with an organisation to like adapt it for TV. So that's Amazing. like happening we've started that process we're trying to write the pilot episode at the moment and I'm working with a really experienced tv screenwriter to do that and incredible because tv's like a whole different like beast a whole different form yeah I should imagine (laughs) yeah I have no experience in tv at all theatre I'm great Mm -hmm. but tv lost (laughs) yeah that's amazing I mean that is really impressive and obviously when when that happens and it's going to happen and you're going to break through, everyone's going to be so proud that you're from Chippenham and from Wiltshire and from our community. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be incredible. Um, so tell me, what are you working on at the moment? Miracle on 34 Seymour Street, which is like a Christmas show for Trowbridge Town Hall. So that's like taking most of my time and most of my attention at the moment. We go into rehearsals for that like in a week and a half or something so um I'm trying yeah just trying to get the script uh finished for that give us a very I know obviously you're all still writing and it's not no worse finished, mm-hmm. but give us a very sort of loose kind of feel for what the actual show's about yeah me and um Gavin Osborne um he's a singer-songwriter who's worked quite a bit at the town hall who wrote um the song for Trowbridge. Um, we did. We played it on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we are co-writing it together. So Gavin's like focusing on the songs. So there'll be like songs and music in it. And then I'm writing the play, like story narrative side of it. So it's about a brother and sister. Um, it's set in Trowbridge. It's very, very local. 
It's set in Seymour, so on an estate in Trowbridge, and it follows like the brother and sister, Angel and Noel. We meet them at Christmas time, like at different points in their life. We meet them as children, first of all, and then like up until like adults in 2021. So we do a sort of little like flash through the decades um, at Christmas time. Yeah, it will be like real funny, like relatable yeah just full of like joy and but will be authentic and I think we'll show like the reality of Christmas hopefully for like a lot of people and a lot of families but in a like fun joyful um, relatable way. I, one thing I, we can't discuss you coming from the West Country without discussing the accent you've got <laughs> the wonderful Southwest accent I've lived here a very 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 long time and I haven't got the accent but you've got the Southwest accent do you think that um was it um what this country this country do you yeah. think that that enabled people with accents certainly the west coast country to be almost like deemed acceptable because i know a lot of the time those accents are derided aren't they yeah i think that definitely like helped put the west country on the map for sure like in a way it's kind of like a bit shocking and surprising that there's not more stuff that's like rooted in the in the region i guess the same as what they were doing with that show is people have these like conceptions I think about places like Wiltshire about like Gloucestershire the Cotswolds that it's like full of like wealthy people that it's all like beautiful countryside and everyone's like very affluent but which there is like that side to it of course but like the reality for like a lot of people living in those communities is not that which yeah which is what I like hope that my work can help to represent I think yeah you should just hold on to like where you're from and your roots and like celebrate that really yeah not to be embarrassed by it I think we're we're heading towards a a good wave in our favor for for filming in the west because I know from talking to my friends down in Bristol work in the industry Bristol is just a hotbed of filming locations at the moment. There's all kinds of different things going on from the Beeb to Netflix to Channel 4. They're all down there. We've just obviously got Stephen Merchant's new comedy, The Outlaws, set in Bristol, which is fantastic. You've already mentioned this country. I'm up in Northridge. It's, there seems to be a lot of focus all of a sudden, like in the last like five years on our region. I think, I think you're kind of in prime position to take advantage of that. Yeah, it's true. Like it is really encouraging and exciting that there is more stuff like coming out. Like the outlaws, like you said, I was watching like another a drama set in Bristol, um, show trial, like a BBC drama. Yeah, there is like more and more stuff happening. So I think, yeah, we've just got to like grab that, like you said. And um it helps that Bristol at the moment is a really exciting city. My field of vision really tends to be music but I know comparing (laughs) Bristol to like the other powerhouses of the past like Manchester and Leeds etc Bristol is the most exciting city in the UK right now outside of London hands (laughs) down and so obviously that goes hand in hand you've got all these creative types people like yourself producing interesting programs of an interesting voice Mm -hmm. I think you're right we're all sick of the middle class type comedies and tv programs Mm -hmm. and whatever we want real we want we want genuine stories and genuine voices I've discovered world film I love world cinema now Mm -hmm. I'm really sick of Hollywood because it's not real it's not it's not real world film is it's so much more real welcome to the dark side Kieran (laughs) absolutely absolutely (laughs) anyway Flo when is the Christmas show happening do you know so we go into rehearsals in like the end of November and we're rehearsing for like a few weeks. A really exciting, like creative team, all like Southwest based from the Southwest. 
So that's going to be really, really lush. So there's previews. Um, the 17th and 18th of December are like two previews. And then the show opens officially from the 20th of December and it runs through until the 30th of December. So no Christmas off for me. <laughs> or me, wow. Or you, yeah. We get Us. Christmas Day off. We get Christmas Day off. So. Yeah. And that's in Trowbridge, yeah, just to clarify. This yeah. year, Trowbridge Town Hall. John, we're going to have a director, a lighting engineer. We've got the whole host of properly produced presentation. Um, I My involvement is very, very small. So um, I'm just helping assist everybody. But I am really, really looking forward to it, Flo. I cannot wait. Yeah, no, it should. Yeah, it's really exciting. Household plants gently slipped from her grasp and her breathing became deeper, familiar and calm, and only when she'd shifted her body weight slightly and sunk her head into the softer of those two duck-feathered pillows, only then did Albert lean over to his wife's side of the bed, flick the lamp off, and then in total darkness and wearing his trusty blue striped pajamas, heaved his heavy frame from his fake slumber made his way carefully past the cumbersome ottoman and the precarious shoe rack trying not to breathe he was silent he was stealth aware of every creak on the staircase he used her fluffy slippers as a softener cushioning each footstep on the way down at the foot of the stairs was a cupboard and inside behind a secret panel was his costume he disrobed briefly naked guiltily and excitingly nude in his own house so late at night costume it thrilled him and made him giggle in practically equal measure tight jeans black tight t-shirt with the words iron maiden writ large he pulled on his leather jacket and his dog martins and he went out into the cold because you see albert went out to see rock bands and stayed up till the morning light you're only as old as you feel they say and albert was feeling all right Seventy-seven-year-old man headbanging in a mosh pit could go easily unnoticed, especially when everyone else was headbanging in a mosh pit. Although Albert felt uncomfortable at times, well, that was mostly due to the lack of give in his jeans. He felt joyful. He felt alive. In fact, the louder the music, the more he enjoyed it. This pastime meant for teenagers, but he embraced the strangeness, the sweat of a stranger, the thud of a bass line pumping through his veins. At one point, Albert threw both arms up in the air, pulled his two middle fingers down with his thumbs, and made the rock gesture as hundreds of kids moved as one, with him in their throng screaming words to the songs they'd all learned in their bedrooms at home. Band finished playing, he went out into the street in search of more adventures, reveling in his late blooming teenage rebellion. Still, the clock it ticked on in his bedroom at home as his wife, fast asleep, was seemingly unaware he was buying cheap cider and eating an offensively large kebab from a confused high street vendor. He intended to stay up as late as he could, soaking up the motion of cars, but he got himself lost in a park playing drunken air guitar and still the clock ticked on in his bedroom at home as he recaptured a batch of his youth all alone cause you see Albert went out to see rock bands and stayed up till the morning light you're only as old as you feel they say and Albert was feeling alright 
keep his face behind a neatly oval-shaped hill, heralding the dawn of the day. He looked up at his house and then down at his shoes, those Doc Martins, still as black as the night was two hours before. Oh, this has been brilliant, Albert said out loud. Then he bent down, pulled his shoes off and undid his yellow laces, and he tied them together and threw them up to the sun-dusted sky. Landing perfectly in electrical wires, like on the streets of New York, next to five other pairs that he'd thrown there before. He quietly opened his front door, poured himself out of his t-shirt and his jacket and his jeans, found his blue striped pajamas, crept back upstairs, got back into bed and fell instantly asleep. Albert's wife opened her eyes and looked through the crack in the curtains onto a line of dirty black boots. She smiled to herself, just pleased that he'd made it home safe. That track we've just played is from Gavin Osborne, and it's called Albert Went Out to See Rock Bands. Uh, it's such a touching song. I've seen it live quite a few times, um, and it is ge- genuinely really, really touching. What a lovely song. It actually made somebody cry when you played it in Trowbridge last time, so wow. well done. Him! Um, John, well, I was going to say that we do all let our guests pick tracks and Flo did want to play a Christmas track, but I kind of overall because it's only November. <laughs> and nothing to do with the fact that we probably won't get clearance from YouTube. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, news. I think you've got some exciting news to talk about. Before I go launch into it, what exciting news do you think I'm talking about? Uh, you you made a nice big announcement. We've had a couple of big announcements, actually, for things that are going to be happening at Trowbridge. Cool. Let's what, go with that then. <laughs> what, what news do you have? Well, loads of news. Look, John, we have got an actual member of Oasis. We've got Andy Bell from Ride and Oasis. Now, I love Ride, but I loved Oasis. His tour is coming to Trowbridge next year. I'm going to stick him on this wall. He's going to go there. Um, As soon as I find the glue, he's going there. Also, we've announced Lucy Farrell. She is from British folk bands, The Furrow Collective. So, we're going to put her on at the pump in Trowbridge and we're really harking back to our roots on this one. Um, I'm delighted to have her in Trowbridge. It really is um, just all coming back. Coming up rosy, John. It's really coming up rosy. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, I've got a little bit of news talking about Oasis. Let's oh, yeah. Oasis double feature. Um, now, the, the people who took over the Oasis in Swindon, um, they released new proposals for what they want to do with the, the place. And uh, the two things that have been pointed out is their current plans do not include any kind of hall for live gigs. And uh, it also includes the removal of the dome. So it's not gone down that well in Swindon. I should imagine it hasn't. Because like when it was launched, it it was this kind of one stop shop for have a swim, go to the gym and go to a gig. Yeah. And and it, it, it would appear that the current plans are say that there's no space for a deep well, maybe a couple of little exhibition rooms, but nothing like a hall size, which, which on that site would be ideal. No, it absolutely would be. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm gutted because that dome, actually, even if you don't like it, you can't get away from the fact that it's iconic. <laughs> mm, yeah. So, you know, like it or lump it, it's there. But also your your heritage. Come on, Oasis, Oasis, you know, name themselves after that building. You can't tear it down. It, actually, John, if it gets teared down, does that really end the the nostalgic nature of Britpop? Is that it? There is a campaign running in Swindon to get the Oasis Dome registered as a listed monument or a listed wow. building. Is there really? 
Um, not sure if it will be. So, I mean, it, it is a unique structure, but I'm not sure if it's got the the history or the or the uniqueness to it to to warrant being put on the list. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because it's mm. really, I mean, every, <laughs> I used to go swimming there with my kids quite a lot. Um, we'd always make the trip up to Swindon because it was such a cool place to go swimming. But like, even not long after it had been there, like all the all the windows just were awful. <laughs> And it's like, yeah, I really, I, I get it why you want to, but yeah, no, I think you're right. It's, there's no chance of that happening. <laughs> cool. All right, let's wrap up then. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can email sheerisolation at gmail.com or you can go to our website, sheerisolation.co.uk. You can listen to previous tunes there or you can go onto your podcast and streaming service of choice and find all of our previous episodes there. Uh, that's it from me, Kieran. Uh, thank you for joining me. Always a pleasure, John. Never a chore. Now you need to go Until out and buy yourself week. a brighter light bulb. I've bought two of the wrong bulbs from Wilco's. I'm almost too embarrassed to even admit that, <laughs> given my job. 